Hi, my name is Nick Ford, and this is Episode 2 of Derive. Derive is an audio series that sets to educate, explore, and deliver exciting stories about the flow of ideas, trends, or items that we consume in society. In the last episode, I spoke to Phil Bryan and Chad Salen of Calgary's Last Best Brewing and Distilling about the business they help run and about the craft brew scene in the province. If you haven't taken a listen to that episode, make sure to go back and have a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. It'll also make this episode make a lot more sense. The very first episode of Derive and all other information about this audio series can be found on Tumblr at deriveaudio.tumblr.com. Episodes can also be found on SoundCloud under the name Derive. I'm also working on getting all of these episodes onto iTunes, and an announcement when that's happened will be on an up-and-coming episode. But let's get to the second episode in this Craft Brew series. The second episode in the Alberta Beer series of Derive deals with malt barley, a vital ingredient to the craft brew scene in the province. We learned from Phil in the last episode that Alberta has some of the best barley in the world, and in this episode, we see if that's true. I had the pleasure of sitting down and chatting with Wade McAllister, a young Alberta farmer, about his job and about his family-run farm, Antler Valley Farm. In this episode, he and I chat at the Antler Valley Farm office about craft brews success and what that means for barley farmers in the province. We also chat about some of the difficulties with farming and the importance of agriculture to the craft brew scene, but also to Alberta's economy. So let's dig into my conversation with Wade about what it's like farming malt barley at a time when Alberta's craft beer scene is truly, truly blossoming. My name's Wade McAllister, um, full-time farmer now, and uh, uh, with Antler Valley Farm, I've been uh, lived on the farm my whole life. I uh, came back to the farm, it'll be five years ago now, I used to fly helicopters commercially, and farm with my brother, uh, farm's been in our family since 1890, uh, so yeah, my brother and I are fifth generation, and we farm about 4,000 acres now. Uh, rotation is canola, wheat, and barley, uh, malt barley, and yeah. Cool. That's me. Some more background about Wade. Wade's dad had always told him and his brother that they had to go work for someone else before they worked on the farm. Doing so would provide them with important customer service and people skills. It was also a chance to go and do something that might benefit the farm in the future. Wade's brother Scott did millwright, which is actually useful on a farm, all of the mechanical kind of stuff. And Wade, he chose flying helicopters, which can benefit farming as well. Aerial photos, spraying crops. But now, Wade's back. I was fighting fires and moving drills and, and flying in the Arctic, and it was pretty cool. Oh, man. Yeah, and I wish I could... I wish I was still doing it too, but uh, farming is our life and, and I love it. And I tell a lot of people, oh, you quit. I mean, they ask me, you say, you quit the best job on earth, right? And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? Farming is pretty, pretty amazing too. Uh, I don't think a lot of people can say that they, they can become a farmer. A lot of people can fly helicopters. Anybody can go get their license to fly a helicopter. But in order to, to start up a farm, I mean, those days are over. So it's, uh, it's pretty special. Why do, you, why do you say they're over? Well, it just costs a lot of money to start up a farm. So unless you're, unless you win the lottery or something and can go find an, uh, an old farm that's up for sale and, and establish a land-based um, 
and your name and stuff, it's a pretty tough industry to get into. So you look at most farms today, um, they're all family-owned farms. Right. And uh, there's always farms that are selling off because there's no kids involved or wanting to come back to the farm. So once that once that generation is done farming, it kind of just goes up for sale and, and the next neighbors, they move in. So right. yeah, it's a tough industry to get into. So the guys that are in it now are very fortunate and uh, it's a pretty, it's awesome, yeah. As Wade said earlier, Antler Valley Farm farms about 4,000 acres of canola, wheat, and malt barley. They rotate each crop every three years. Each crop has its own advantages and disadvantages. Wade says that canola, for example, has higher input costs, but is the best for keeping all the chemicals in the field. It's easily the most lucrative crop for them to farm, at least right now. Wheat is harder for Wade to farm, mainly because where they are situated. So they grow the feed variety. But of course, our focus is on malt barley. So here's Wade on malt barley. Um, we've been growing malt barley now for over 50 years consistently. Um, it, for the last couple of years, it's been our highest producing crop per acre. Um, it's more malt barley now today is more of a specialty crop. It, uh, it's a very finicky crop. It's a living thing from the day that it's planted. It's, it takes a lot of attention. Hmm. Um, just your seeding or down to your seeding rates, how you handle it throughout the summer, um, just putting the, putting the, uh, the groceries to it to get it, to get the highest quality grain at the end of the day. Um, um, yeah, and that's what those guys want. They want the best of the best. And here in Alberta, we can grow the best barley um, in the world for that matter. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a very finicky crop, but at the end of the day, if you can, if you can do well and grow the bushels, it uh, produces. Now, remember the point of this first series is to trace a pint of beer around the province. In terms of malt barley, who buys it? Where does it go? And what happens to it? So um, besides the big guys like RAR, Outed Alex, and Canada Malt just across the highway here, which is nice and close for us, um, there's lots of these specialty um, like micro maltsters that are starting up, mm. and uh, which is pretty awesome because they can do all the specialty stuff that these breweries need. Um, that they that these big guys like Raw and Canada Malt, they just do your base two row malt, and uh, so we we have just sold some stuff to our neighbor here uh, yesterday um, to Red Shed Malting. So they're gonna they're gonna take some of our stuff and do specialty malts, and then and then the breweries can buy it too. So yeah, besides the two guys um, like Raw and Canada Malt, um, other than that, uh, there's a company out in BC um, that we also sell to. But other than that, yeah, that's it. All right, cool. So we have our crop and a buyer. What does the process of growing malt barley actually look like? Yeah, so it starts off by buying good quality seed, um, um, start planting it around the 5th of May, uh, kind of no earlier than that because the risk of frost still, um, we're in a frost zone here. Um, high seeding rate, just to get that even maturity at the end. Um, um, then it comes down to after you put it in the ground, you got to take care of it for three months. So the first thing we do is is spray, um, spray, uh, spray for the weeds, keep the weeds from um, over competing the crop. So because if you got weeds in there, your crop can't grow because the weeds are overtaking the crop. So we kind of keep them held back until the crop is is uh, is big enough that the weeds are not or over competed, and then uh, got to keep the disease out. So we spray fungicides in July. And that just keeps the uh, keeps the plant healthy right through till the end when we start harvesting it. 
Um, around the middle of August, towards the end of August, we'll start harvesting. Uh, malt barley is the first thing we do. Uh, we try to straight cut it all. Uh, we have in the past swapped it, but we found our quality issues. Um, just with the with the harsh weather that we have here at the fall rain you swap the crop it gets rained on your quality is going to start to drop So we do have a dryer here. We put the dryer in in 2009 So we will use that so malt barley has to be at 13 and percent moisture um, We'll start taking it off at 18 percent moisture and we'll start running it through the dryer so that way um, Rather than letting it sit in the field and naturally drying down and getting more of those harsh elements um, applied to it we can take it off, put it in good storage, start drying it down with artificial drying and, uh, and save the quality that way. Um, so yeah, then it goes into, like I said, those big bins. Uh, we cool her down right down to around minus five and it is safe till we start shipping it. Okay, okay, okay. So how about the malting process? Uh, so yeah, we shipped to Canada Malt and RAR and uh, yeah, their process there is, is pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> So they take that, they take that 13.5% um, moisture barley and then they put it in these tanks and they pump the water to it and they actually will bring the moisture up to around 40 plus percent. And then that's, that's what's going to start your germination process. So they want to get all the seeds germinated and that's what starts the sugar process. And after that they'll, they'll, uh, they'll just, it'll sit in these, these tanks. Um, and they'll just keep stirring it and the grains will keep growing and growing and growing to a certain point You don't want to get them growing too much and then they'll drop it down into a uh, Into a big another big tank and then they'll start drying it and pumping the air to it And they'll bring the they'll bring the malt down to about uh, three three four percent moisture and uh, And that's the process. I mean, that's why wouldn't that's, you why wouldn't you just go from you know? Uh, 13 to, to 3 or whatever. Uh, why, because, why do they bring it up? Is because, that to germinate? That's to germinate it, absolutely. Yeah, so that's why we don't put it in swaths because gotcha. because once it gets, once the grain in the field kind of, it will get down to that 13, 14% moisture or even 15. And once it gets a, a little bit of rain on it and are really humid days, okay. that's going to be right. getting the moisture up and then it starts to actually sprout in the head still. Right. Gotcha. And that's called chitting. Okay. So once you get too much chit going on, um, then the quality isn't there and they won't accept it. With a growing craft brew scene here in the province, I asked Wade how much of his business has changed over the past five years and how much of this could be attributed to the craft beer game. Yeah, so our business just personally, uh, we've expanded a whole bunch uh, land-based-wise in the last five years just because Scott and I have come back to the farm so we're able to take on more land because there's more people working here. Um, but also in the last few years, the Canadian Wheat Board has been kind of diminished right so that has allowed us to get one-on-one -on -one relationships with these maltsters whereas before we would sell to the wheat board the wheat board would come with a truck here pick it up and you kind of didn't know where your malt was going whereas now scott and i can personally deliver it to both these plants get one-on-one -on -one relationships with these guys uh it's it's really nice to build that and work with them and uh yeah so i think the the one-on-one -on -one relationships with the elevators in the last five years has been huge just to allow these relationships and the connections it's been yeah it's been really good yeah and is a lot of that because of the the craft beer movement here do you think or? oh i think absolutely i yeah. mean it's 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 a booming industry it's it's very exciting it's the malt barley is the only thing that we grow that um 
that you have that connection with the end user. I mean, our canola, we grow it, we put it in a, we send it to the elevator, it gets put on a train, it goes to the coast and it goes all over the world. Uh, wheat, most of it just feed. Maybe it gets shipped all over the world too, depending on where we sell it. But the, the barley, it all stays in Alberta. Well, majority of it, I guess, or uh, between, uh, between Alberta and getting sent down to the States. But it's just cool to see all of these craft breweries starting up in Alberta and using the stuff that we grow right here. So I think it's, it's the coolest crop that we grow. I mean, it's, it's the most fun. I, I love growing it. So With that, I asked Wade about the evolution of barley farming over the next number of years. What is he expecting to see? I think just the technology, just doing everything more efficiently, um, using your inputs more wisely, uh, things like that. But um, as far as equipment go, I think we we got sectional control now, full GPS. Uh, we're starting sectional control on the sprayer now just to apply those products um, where they need to be applied and where they don't need to be applied and just using everything more more cautiously so we're not, not wasting as much, right? Um, and just and that uh, allows you to um, cost a lot of money to apply these products, so it just you're just using everything more efficiently. So I think in general farming, uh, barley is along with that. It's just it's just being more efficient with what with the inputs that you have. Does evolution mean more interaction, more interaction with the end user? I've noticed that in the last couple of years, just being more involved with the end user. And they want to know what we're doing. I mean, we had a tour here a couple of weeks ago and they're amazed of when they come out to the yard here and just see the scale and the size of everything that it takes to grow uh, these crops. Um, grow a pint of beer. Absolutely, exactly. And they, they, love, they love coming out here. They love standing in those big bins and, and just seeing the combines and stuff. I mean, those, these people have, they're from the cities and they've never, they've never been exposed to that before. So I think it's awesome. And, uh, and just getting to know them, you walk into a, a brewery now and you tell them that you're a malt barley farmer and I mean, they just, they almost kneel down and bow to you. It's just, it's very cool. So it, uh, yeah, it's been awesome the last couple of years. So craft beer producers almost kneel and bow down to our malt barley farmers, but where would barley farmers be in the province if it wasn't for the success of craft beer? I think, uh, I think with the amount of, uh, of, of barley that that these guys do that they do like the craft beer industry in the states is huge like it's way bigger than it is in alberta here so i think we'd still we'd still be where we are today but i just don't think that we would have that close connection with the end user that we do because of the breweries in alberta that are right here in our backyard so i think everything would probably still be the same um it, it would just be like the canola you toss it in a car it goes down wherever and you kind of don't see where it ends up so I think, I think we would be in the same position. It just wouldn't be, there wouldn't be those connections with the end user. How that important the, are those connections? Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's just, it's sweet to, to, to grab a beer and just know that maybe there's some of your <laughs> barley in there, right? Or you contributed to, to this amazing product. Um, and, uh, and also I think just for them knowing, coming out here and seeing the, the, the farmers that are growing their product, the, like the, the main, the most important ingredient in their beer is growing right here. And for them to come out and tour our farm and, and walk through the fields and actually get to touch it when it's growing, I mean, that is sustainability, right? It's, it's crazy. And the whole industry, whether it's beef or food or whatever, it's uh, everybody wants to know where their food comes from. And for them to be able to go out and physically see it before it's on their plate or in their glass, I mean, I think, I think that's pretty crazy. It right. is. It is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, we got guys from, 
from down the big breweries in the states coming up to Alberta and touring the farms, right? I've got we had people here from uh, China last year, breweries from China coming to our yard and touring the fields and the farm. So I mean, for the guys here in Alberta, for them to drive an hour to half an hour to 15 minutes just to come and see, I mean, it's right here, so that's pretty cool for them. As we found out in the last episode, a lot of this activity is happening in rural areas. Both Phil and Chad from Calgary's Last Best Brewing highlighted this as well in our last episode. Of course, most, if not all, farming takes place in rural areas. So, what can those who live in cities do to ensure that barley farming continues to support our beer industry and that farming in general remains successful in the province? Oh, for the for the people in the cities, I think just to realize that uh, what we're doing and what we're using on the on on this on these crops isn't going to kill you. I mean, you see a sprayer. I think that's the hardest part is when they see a sprayer out spraying their their food or what they're drinking. It's it's all bad product. Well, like I would say, ninety percent of that stuff coming out of the sprayer is water. I mean, we put a little bit of chemical in there, but more, majority of that stuff coming out is water. So, and we're doing it to 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 give them a better product at the end, right? So, I mean, you would not want to see what it would look like if we didn't apply. It would be disgusting. I wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. It wouldn't be full of diseases. I mean, there wouldn't, there, we couldn't, we wouldn't be able to sustain uh, a, uh, a population if we weren't able to do what we do. Um, we couldn't produce enough. So, I mean, yeah, if farmers weren't able to do what we do, uh, none of this would exist. Well, that's a frightening prospect. Um, now, naturally, growing malt barley and having ingredients or ingredients that you grow included in fun local products is probably very rewarding. In fact, it is rewarding. That's what Wade says. It also means that you have to like the product you're helping source. So here's Wade's advice for seeking out new and exciting beers that are popping up all around our province. Just start off with their basic... Their basic uh... Uh, their basic stuff um, and slowly work your way into it. Um, now I won't drink anything except for the IPAs and when I first started drinking craft beer I, I absolutely hated IPAs. I mean I didn't like it at all but now that's all I'll drink. So you just start to acquire that taste and also when you're drinking that stuff you know where it came from. You're supporting your province, your local industry. I mean we're hurting right now as a province so support it. Drink, drink craft beer. It is fun to taste new beers, especially ones sourced from our own backyard. I know this experience all too well. The good news is that there are a ton popping up, but how do we seek them out and how do we keep informed? I would say we, as I'm on the, um, the Alberta Barley Commission, I'm a delegate, and we are starting up a new website program that's called Combine to Craft. So this program, it allows like you said, anybody to go onto this website and it will have a list of all of the breweries in Alberta. It'll have a list of farmers that are involved in growing malt barley for the breweries. It'll have a list of the people that are malting the barley in Alberta. Um, so yeah, so like you can go onto the site and you can just, you can see where all these breweries are located and where they're pinned and whatever. and. Uh, and experience it that way and you can also meet uh, view some stories of some farmers that are involved in growing the barley so I think that's a perfect tool to start it's it's gonna be launched here right away otherwise uh, just go down to your local local pub and just and just look at their menu because I mean majority of the pubs now are supporting the local beer industry um, 
for the same reason. So um, uh, that's what I would say to suggest. And once you get a taste for it and, and a feel for it, I mean, it's easy. It's everywhere. Yeah. Wade wants to see more experimentation because, as we found out in that first episode of this beer series, brewers can be super inefficient when it comes to using their ingredients. But also, Wade's a consumer like us. He wants to see more experimentation because... It's fun! For sure, yeah, the darks, the, the higher alcohol content, uh, think... IPAs, the flavors. I mean, guys are starting to add, they like, the cranberries or whatever into them or... Um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's what makes craft beer cool is you can kind of do whatever. Right. And, uh, the seasonals, I mean, it's all, it's all fun and every brewery is different. Everybody has their own taste. Whereas you go drink a Bud Light, a Budweiser, they all taste the same, right? So you can go into any craft beer store and you can just, they got their taps all lined up and just try them all. You'll acquire that taste on your own and what you like. None, none of them are bad. I don't think any of them are bad. As I learned from Wade, farming looks like fun. It sounds like fun, and it's far more technical than those who live in cities even imagine. Farmers are far more technologically advanced than many of us even think. They use helicopters, drones, GPS. Heck, even the combines themselves can be multi-million dollar machines with tons of gadgetry. But it's not all fun and games. It's tough, time-consuming work. They also need to worry about foreign competition. These guys in Australia, they produce a really good malt barley. Um, they're affecting our prices right now because last year they had a really, really good crop. Um, my brother Scott, he was actually down there last year for a month harvesting and uh, they had some of the same yields that we were getting here, which is unheard of. So they're putting a little bit of a damper on the malt barley markets right now just because they have such a, a mass volume that they have to get rid of. and so. Their shipping lanes and everything, I mean, they can ship it for cheaper than we can. So, so that's kind of hurting our... our We're close to Asia, right? Yeah, and, and, and Japan and stuff like that. And even, I mean, I think they can even get it over to the U.S. for cheaper than we can, so, which is crazy. Because they have so much that they're just kind of almost giving it away. Um, so, yeah, guys like that. Um, not a lot of malt barley grows down in the States. Um, um, so I'd say, yeah malt barley grows in Europe, so they're a bit of, but most of that stuff, I think, for what they produce kind of stays there, and they, they, they do a lot of that specialty market, and then they ship, ship that specialty stuff over here. In terms of our province, the competition is other farmers, but... You get different qualities all over Alberta. Right in this area, we get really low proteins. We're below 10%, usually for us anyways. Whereas you go down south, you're gonna get a bit higher protein. So there's lots of different qualities throughout Alberta. Um, but I mean, we're all in it to, to make a dollar and I mean, it's no different than, than any business. I mean, we're all in competition, but we all work together too and, and give each other advice and we're all here for, for the same reasons. So. Just something to think of this sense of community in and around the craft beer game seems essential and key to its success. Community seems to be at the root of this industry. I mean, think about buying beer, too. Typically, we buy it when we hang out with groups of friends or when we're part of a community. Apart from the grueling work and the competition from abroad and pricing, not surprisingly, weather causes the most problems for a barley farmer like Wade. Yeah, uh, it, the hardest part is something that we have no control over, and uh, yeah, that that can that's huge. So whether you got crop crop to put in the ground, you got 
got fields that need to be sprayed and it won't stop raining. You're making ruts. Uh, you got a combine and it's snowing. Oof. Man, that sounds super stressful. I myself would do no good as a farmer. I know that. I have zero patience, and I would not like not having control over my livelihood. Given this, I asked Wade his craziest weather-related experience. Last fall. Just last fall. Like, last fall. It was, it was hail. We we no. It uh, it just we we have a, we use a big grain cart. Wet. It was awfully wet. So to go through the field and make ruts from one end to the other, I mean, we're talking two foot ruts the whole way. Uh, we, we have a big grain cart that holds about 34 tons. And when that thing sinks in the ground and you lose, I mean, can you imagine sinking a tire that's five feet tall into the ground completely and almost tipping over? And it's just, it was chaos last year. Is that tire still in the ground? No, no, we <laughs> pulled them out. I got some crazy pictures. Uh, yeah, but last fall was it was insane. Yeah, my it's almost sunk her three times. Three times, yeah, yeah, yeah. Five foot tire, hundred percent in the ground. Yeah, oh. just all of a sudden. Woof. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a big sinkhole. Kind of a huge thing. sinkhole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. As I learned from Wade, without barley farming, it's doubtful that craft beer, at least in Alberta, would have found the same success in the province. Without our top grade malt barley, it's likely that brewers would have to source their ingredients from Australia or Europe, which means our beer might taste different. I doubt we'd have as many breweries, and the beer here certainly wouldn't be as cool. Every time I sip on a pint of beer, a pint of local craft beer, the image of the 34-ton grain cart pops into my head. It's five-foot wheels stuck in ruts. I envision the panic, the mess, the wet, the cold. And for that, I give props to farmers of all kinds in our province and abroad. Of course, we have the breweries to thank for the gifts they brew and the fun they bring to our parties, but we need to thank the barley farmers like Wade as well, because without them, we'd have less beer and definitely less fun. That brings us to the end of this episode, episode two in the Craft Brew series. One more episode to go. On the next episode, we dig into craft beer culture, and I speak to people like you about what they look for in craft beer. I also sit down with those in charge at Edmonton's Underground Tap and Grill, and we talk about the craft brew scene in the province. Derive is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Nick Ford. Special thanks in this episode to Wade McAllister from Antler Valley Farms for the great insight, information, and conversation. The music in this episode is by The House Martins. Derive's theme song is by Miracle Fortress. When is this guy going to put out more music? If you don't know his stuff, check him out. You can find more information about Derive and find the first episode on Tumblr at deriveaudio.tumblr.com. And stay tuned for episode three. Thanks for listening. Oh, and one more thing. I'm just going to leave this here.
<laughs> what do you think of the uh, the talk around like daylight savings time and, and moving that or you know not having it? That's well, that, 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 would that affect you at all or no? No, it doesn't matter when the sun comes up or that's, goes down. I mean, it's it, like they, they don't have it too. down in Phoenix. Yeah, that's my go down to Phoenix in the winter. Like the sun is gonna come up and go down. Like, whatever it does. And like, you guys will get up for when you need it, to get it up. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a real pain in the ass. Because, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is royal. Yeah. All it does is just make people tired. It does. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect anything here. Yeah. It doesn't. Like, the crop's not going to be like, oh, well, it's daylight savings time. Better get ready. Better get ready. Yeah, it doesn't.